0: before we get to today's show i'd like to invite you to become a part of this show if you have hiked the john muir trail whether you section hiked it or through hiked it or if you intend to hike it in the future then give us a call 818-925-0106 and please leave a voicemail telling us a little bit about your experience a memory a hardship, what you're looking forward to, or how it affected your life positively or even negatively. At the end of this season, I am hoping to collect these voice messages and edit them into an episode focused on the John Muir Trail. So if you would like to potentially have your voicemail appear on the show, Call us up, 818-925-0106, leave us your name, whether that is your real name or your trail name, where you are located, and give us your thoughts within three minutes about the John Muir Trail. Thank you ahead of time, and let's get to the show. Everybody, welcome to episode 89 of the Go Get Outside podcast. This is your host, Jason Milligan. Welcome back. Welcome aboard. Today's episode is going to be a bit different than most. Today, we are going to be talking all about food, trail food. We all need it, and we usually settle for pre made snacks, be they by any number of brands, dehydrated meals. Tuna packets, Spam, any number of food items that range from surprisingly good to barely palatable. Today we will be speaking to a man who got sick of that. He wants us to look forward to what we eat in the outdoors and not just tolerate what we consume. And that man is Chef Corso of Monte Boca. It is an online resource he founded to help people find easy recipes for quality camp meals. So if you are out there listening and you are sick of eating the same crap, and I'd be surprised if you're not, then this episode is for you. But that is enough of me talking about Chef Corso. Let's go talk to the man himself.
1: My name is Chef Corso, and I'm a head chef and founder of Monte Boca. My goal is for you to get excited about your camp meals and not dread them, and I'm here to guide you through the process. Yeah, so explain to everybody what Monte Boca is. So Monty Boca is a, a community I started around recipe creation for eating really well outside, really focusing on fresh ingredients and easy packing. I'm not a huge fan of sitting at your dehydrator for days using prepackaged meals. I want you to go to the store, pack up fresh ingredients, put them in a stuff sack put them in your bag and be able to cook up something really really amazing in 10 to 20 minutes when you're at your destination, because that meal is going to taste so good when you're there. It doesn't matter what you're eating, but imagine if it can taste even better than, than a package meal.
0: So choosing to put a lot of focus on the outdoor community for someone who is a chef is kind of an interesting decision. Clearly, you must have some sort of outdoor past of your own. So let's talk about that a bit. Let's talk about where you grew up, how you grew up, and kind of what brought you this direction to ultimately decide, hey, there's a lot of crappy food to eat outside we should eat better
1: yeah so I'm from the Pacific Northwest uh, I grew up in Port Angeles Washington at the base of uh, the Olympic National Park but the funny thing is is a uh, my family uh, we didn't really go outside all that often as far as anything epic or, or big we did some small day hikes to some waterfalls we did a few car camping things but my experience outside when I was a kid was was just a lot of sports I, I played all of them I was running around outside and it took me a bit to really understand what was out there. I took a few of my uh, high school friends to be like, hey, you want to go on a trip? And I was like, sure, but I don't know what to do. You know, like like most new new folks, I was really worried about everything, like what, what to pack, what kind of clothes, what are we going to eat? And they were able to to take care of a lot of that for me. And we went out to the Ozette Loop on the Olympic Peninsula. And just for a uh, one or two night trip, and that was my first introduction to, to being outside, seeing something different than a picnic or a park. And that got me really excited for what could be out there. It still took me a little bit after that to, to really, really delve into longer trips or going on longer treks with folks. I'm an equal opportunity outdoorsman where I kind of like a little bit of it all. Uh, I love getting on my road bike and just going around town. I currently live in Seattle, Washington, so it's, it's, it's great to tool around town. It's a beautiful city to, to bike in. And also ski, snowshoe, cross-country ski, backpack, kayak, all that kind of stuff. It it kind of took me a little bit to figure out what I really, really liked. But for me, backpacking is, is where... I find the most gratification and the most fun I think for for every backpacker that first 20 minutes of your of your trip you're like you put your your life on your back for a little bit and your your back your back hurts and you're you get reacquainted with uh with with your pack we wonder like what what are we doing why am I doing this (laughs) because because it's that moment
0: too right there's a moment where you put the pack on and you're like how in the hell am I good there's no way I'm going to be able to do this and then a day later you're just used to it.
1: Yeah and so I think it's uh, unfair for all of us to say like oh we just go do it and we love it we love every second of it but there is that first few minutes where you're like am I really doing this am I really going out here for multiple days and then 30 minutes in you're fine your body's adjusted to it and you're you're on your way and it's a nice experience. As I started going outside more I realized that the package meals were were not that great they definitely do the job they're really lightweight but for me, they really don't make my belly feel very good. They do fill it up, but it's it's pretty high in salt and uh, a lot of preservatives, and it's not the best food. So as a chef, I kind of took it as a challenge to be, hey, can we eat really well outside, given the challenges of weight, perishability, number of ingredients, and overall time to be able to make something really, really good. There was one specific trip that I went on with uh, some friends to the Enchantments, Washington, so we were lucky enough to get a, a permit a few years ago. I planned the whole meal, all of our meals for three nights. Again, I took it as a challenge. Like, can we take fresh ingredients outside and can we make these meals for multiple people, not just one, outside and have them be good? And the first few recipes was a Tom Yum noodle bowl, a pasta recipe with a fresh tomato sauce with some zucchini and some some dried salami and a few other things. And it was really, really exciting because these were really, really easy. They fed everybody. They really fueled what we had already done that day and it really fueled us the next day it turned into be a whole other experience because we go outside to be outside we go outside to be with our friends and our family but we're kind of taking out the last piece which is food in all of the other parts of our life we are wondering what we're eating for dinner what, what are we eating at our barbecue and for Backpacking, I think a lot of folks are just sort of taking what they can, they can get as far as the package meals or they pride themselves on being a dirtbagger and like, I am just eating jerky for four days. And if you want to do that still for four or five days in a row, like you can do that. But I'm here to tell you that there's some really great stuff out there that is really not that hard to do and anybody can do that.
0: Sometimes it really is what food can I tolerate for like two or three days and not what do I want to eat, but what will I just tolerate? What can I force myself to eat? that will sustain me until the end. That is definitely how it feels sometimes.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I understand that feeling because you are out there and sometimes it is challenging to plan for your trip and sometimes the, the the bars and the jerky are just the easy things to pack in your bag and you're excited for that big cheeseburger or the nacho plate when you're done. I don't want you to have to tolerate what you're eating. I want you to get excited about it and I want that jambalaya or the wonton noodle bowl to be able to complement that peak that you just bagged.
0: Yeah, so what are some of the approaches you take? Because part of the reason people tolerate not so delicious food or just eat, you know, constant gorp or nuts or whatever is because it's easier to take. They don't have to worry about it spoiling. They don't have to cook it necessarily. So what are some of the approaches you take to kind of solve some of these problems for people?
1: Yeah. So I first start with number of ingredients. So all recipes that we have on online currently are 10 ingredients or less. And I include salt, seasonings, and water in that ingredient because sometimes you do have to pack in your water. If you're in low-water situation. So that's where I start. I do utilize some of the quick cook ingredients like instant rice or uh, rice noodles cook up really really fast and actually it turns out that a lot of the recipes are turning out to be vegetarian or vegan because none of them utilize raw chicken, raw beef, where We can make a jerky chili really, really quickly, but instead of taking the packaged meal, maybe you take a shallot and a red pepper, plus your jerky, your seasonings, and your water, and you actually have a really, really tasty chili really, really fast. Other things to consider, other ingredients that I look to are seasonings, really, really good spice mixes, preferably ones that are low in salt, because you can add your own salt. Also, just to think about packing fresh ingredients. So a red pepper will last you for four or five days. A zucchini packed well, probably at the bottom of your pack will will last for multiple days. I utilize cabbage, bok choy, shallots, garlic, where they pack really, really well. They, they don't take up pack weight either. All they take is a little bit of chopping at the trail. So I want to hear
0: about the R&D on this because you've got to test these things out personally or have other people help you out in the backcountry or just on trail or somewhere, you know, away from a store. So there have to be times where you you tried something and it worked great. And I imagine there have been a couple failures where you realize, okay, yeah, this recipe isn't going to work after all in these
1: conditions. We've had a lot of success with the recipes that we've been testing. And I say we because the Monte Boca is a community. We have a community of recipe testers around the world that are, are taking the recipes that I'm creating we're sending them off we're having people test them on their on their trips and providing feedback and then we upload them to the community recipe bank for everyone to enjoy so it's not just myself doing all this work it's us together it's been really really fun to be able to share that with folks because they're part of the process a few that that haven't quite worked is i'm still trying to figure out the best way to mimic baking and there's a lot of doughs and batters out there you can do some steaming through some of those for some muffins or a, a, a johnny cake kind of thing but I'm really trying to figure out how to get that toasty, roasty flavor, baked flavor into some of those baked goods. Tried to do a scone bowl um, one day where I just made the batter and then kind of fried it up in some, in some fat. And it definitely filled my belly and I made a, a fresh apple compote to go with it but it wasn't really that satisfying. (laughs) And uh, it's one that I definitely need to work on some more. A lot of the recipes are focused on sauteing, using the uh, noodles, rice, quick cook potatoes, those type of things. So most of these are working out to be pretty easy to execute and pretty tasty.
0: So if somebody's listening and they're thinking, okay, I'm willing to give this a try and, you know, they're not used to trail cooking at all, but maybe they're used to taking a mountain house or something else and boiling some water. And that's kind of the extent of what they do. Yeah. What's a recipe that you would recommend to them like to try out? Because maybe some people are listening and they're like, yeah, this sounds great, but there's no way this is actually going to work in practice. So what would you recommend to them to prove that they can do this themselves?
1: Well, if they're used to boiling water and they have a a, a camp stove, we also have a whole bunch of recipes that are no burner. Where um, if you're just going out for a day hike or an urban hike and you just want to make something tasty, but uh, don't have a burner, or maybe um, you only have so much, so much fuel or you ran out of fuel. Uh, you can still eat well with, with no gas. But um, I would suggest starting with a soup. If you're used to boiling water, You can saute a few things, add some water, and and boil it up. We've got uh, a tom yum noodle bowl, a sweet and spicy Asian noodles with uh, sesame snap peas. I would also uh, suggest uh, something with uh, instant rice. So mango fried rice is a really, really good option cooks up in probably around 10 minutes and uh, all you need is your your instant rice, uh, a, a mango soy sauce and some some other Asian ingredients and uh, you've got something really tasty really fast
0: Yeah. What are some of the changes you've noticed personally and in other people have started to kind of bring fresh ingredients out on the
1: trail and try these recipes People are opening their minds to, to, to packing a green onion, uh, packing a bell pepper packing a zucchini. Some people have never thought about doing that because they thought it would go bad. One secret ingredient that I can give everybody that's listening right now is uh, to, to, to be able to pack, even if you are uh, going to stick with your, your mountain house or your, your package meal, is acid. So pack a lime, pack a lemon, pack a little vial of apple cider vinegar, rice vinegar, because that acid will will help freshen up your meal and give you that nice, nice little kick A lot of meals are missing.
0: Yeah, so one of the things I mentioned to you right before we started this is that I'm going to be doing the John Muir Trail, so I'll be hiking for three or four weeks resupplying roughly every seven days. What are some tips you could give me on ways I can try to incorporate some fresh ingredients and things into my hike that doesn't add too much weight and that I don't have to
1: worry about spoilage? That's a good question. I'm um, planning for my own trip right now, doing a solo trip through the Olympic National Park next week, really thinking about how to utilize ingredients for multiple days. It's only me carrying things. So the, the great part about going with two to four people is you can share the load. But if it's just one person, the, the ingredients and recipes that I'm really liking right now is uh, polenta or cornmeal uh, or quick cook grits. That's really really light, really really filling and you can easily add some cheese add some pre-cooked bacon, add some powdered eggs. Got a great recipe for a cheesy bacon uh, polenta with with eggs online. Rice noodles ramen noodles are a really great option as far as adding some fresh ingredients to to those things is baby bok choy. Um, I'll use zucchini as another example because that's not too heavy pack your spice mixes because those will Jazz up just about anything. I've actually been utilizing a lot of field roast meats and uh, Boca burgers, where there's some really good protein in there and some really good flavor. For for example, a Treso breakfast burrito. So you have toasted tortillas. You have your, your dried beans that you're already utilizing and you have a, a couple sticks of, of uh, field roast chorizo plus some cheese and uh, an avocado and you've got an amazing breakfast or snack. Yeah, so
0: you had mentioned you probably want to get into some conversations about your culinary past and I think this would be a good time to transition to that and let's talk a bit about how you've got interested in food and then your pathway to becoming a chef which then ultimately would lead back to where you are now.
1: I've been around food my my whole life. My family was very, very focused on food on both sides of the family. And I uh, learned early on that if I kind of needed to be part of it, I needed to be in the kitchen. So I would just pal around with my with my mom and dad, with my grandparents. We just cooked and we didn't cook anything fancy. We were meat potatoes kind of family. Friends would come over and we cook some, some salmon or some steak, but it wasn't anything fancy by any means. But I started to really, really like food. I liked eating and I liked the community family aspect of it where there was always, Something going on. It, it took me a bit to to realize where that would go, but initially it was just it was just cooking and sharing. I kind of feel sad when some families don't cook dinner together, and don't sit down together because that was a really big part of my life and a really consistent part of my life. Where even if we were all busy, we always sat down and ate together, even if it was for for a half hour. And I think that's a really important part of of family and community. As I got older, I I needed to work. So I got some jobs in a a bakery in in Port Angeles and started working my way up as far as different sous chef jobs and dishwasher jobs. For all of them, I really, really enjoyed it. It's hard work, but I loved creating, being on a team, doing those type of things. For me, uh, the idea with all this was it just kept growing. So I was like, well, I should probably go to culinary school. That sounds like a good idea. I almost went to culinary school in New York, but decided to do the standard college route first and uh, went to Michigan State for hospitality business. Left Washington, it was a big step and a big leap, but I, I look back at that and I think I was a little bit naive to how big of a deal it was, where if anybody out there has a family or, you know, has a brother or that type of thing where they they, they leave the nest, I mean, I don't think the, the the bird really understands what's happening, but everyone else does. I, I went off to faraway Midwest to experience something new. Um, it was funny, I think the first time that we visited, I commented to my dad. And I was like, it's really flat because I, I came from the Cascades and the Olympic mountains and there was nothing higher than the the, the curb. So <laughs> it was just a, a a different realization to some different uh, different areas, but beautiful area. had a great time, learned a whole lot about how to run businesses, how to be hospitable and, and how to do it with uh, a lot of genuine practices. And after I was done there, I still had a passion for food, realized now is probably the time. for for culinary school. I applied again and uh, got in and eventually went to Napa Valley, California and did uh, full full training down there. But the, the great part about that in retrospect was that I wasn't starting school for another six months. I was working for a little bit, but I... Pack my chef knife, and I pack my chef coat in my, my backpack, and I went to Europe. So I, I went to a couple of culinary schools in Europe, and I think a lot of people do your, you know, Euro tour where you uh, get your rail pass, and you put, put your stuff in your bag for two, three months, and you travel around to all the cities you can. So I kind of did my own version of that, which I just went, and I, I ate, and I cooked, and I, and I learned. So I went for three months and did a couple of culinary schools in Italy and traveled around Spain and Greece and, and southern Italy. And it was probably one of the first times that I really understood food culture and what it meant to have really, really good ingredients and just be be true to the ingredient and then share that with somebody. Returned from from Europe with a full belly, a really, really exciting time, and followed that up with a terrible year in Napa Valley, as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> it was a we we worked really hard. We learned a lot. But I, I I lived in the middle of Napa Valley in Sutter Homes Vineyards, and we cooked dinner every day for um, our our class plus some um, other classes. It was absolutely fantastic. We learned so much from the great chefs there and the great experience. But it was eating amazing food every night.
0: Yeah, so one thing I I think tends to happen to people as soon as they chase after any kind of career or any sort of passion is they start to realize how what they picture in their head is one thing, and then the reality is a totally different thing. The culinary arts are something that definitely the average person has an inaccurate picture of, so once you got into that realm and once you started studying to become a chef, what are some of those things that you realized, oh, this is very different than what I expected? What what expectations did you have? And then what was the reality from those expectations?
1: Well, the expectations, I think, going into culinary school was, I mean, I already had some experience experiences in kitchens, but um, I was really excited to learn, excited to to kind of raise the bar of what I, I knew how to do. Once I finally started, the first part of, of any culinary school or any culinary class is, is pretty basic and honestly, like, a little boring. You're chopping, you're dicing, you are practicing how to use your knife. And we did that for about two months straight. And eventually you are making things with those diced onions and carrots, but you're chopping a whole lot and that's not a whole lot of fun. And you, you think you wanna make uh, you know filet mignon and do the flambes and things, but you gotta, you gotta start at the basics. That was an interesting realization. Um, I also realized that I was pretty good at it, but I wasn't that great at it. So I definitely needed some practice. Through that process, you learn how to really hone your craft, how to really understand timing as well. I think a lot of challenges people have with with cooking and food is getting everything out on time where they can make maybe one pot of mashed potatoes, but could they have that come out at the same time as the roasted chicken? But I think the realization for me through that process, even though I I love that process and I learned a whole lot, is that I don't want my own restaurant. I don't wanna have my name on a restaurant. I don't wanna have to to be there every night. I respect anybody that does and I respect a well-crafted dining experience. But uh, for me, that was not my my true passion. My passion is food. I just I like food in general. So I, I really listened to that at the end of, of school to be like, OK, well, how can I still be in the food industry but not have my own place? Because that's pretty much the standard thing It's like, oh, you're going to be a chef. Oh, you're going to, you know, make make cookbooks and then, uh, you know, have three restaurants in your city and you want your name on everything. And for me, that was not my great grand desire. So I think if
0: you ask the average person, what is it? This- Chef, they say like, oh, it's a person that that's really good at cooking. But I'm sure that wouldn't be your definition of what a chef is. So, what do you think makes a
1: person a chef? Well, you definitely need to know how to cook. Um, but I think being a chef is understanding the ingredients and then understanding what you would like to to achieve out of those. Often, ask folks it's like, okay, so what are we making today? And like, what do you want? Like what, what do you want to eat today? Do you want toast? Uh, do you want this braised dish? Do you want a soup or do you want a fresh salad? And then you backtrack and you understand how to get there. So I think it's really understanding that whole process, starting at the ingredients, to be able to achieve what you'd like to eat. There's a, another layer of being a, a, a chef, if you are in a kind of a business setting, which is understanding how to manage your team, understanding how to manage ordering, supply chain, waste, scheduling. That's the, the the very unglamorous part about being a, a chef or working in a restaurant is it turns into a lot of planning and a lot of scheduling and a lot of communication, a lot of leadership, uh, where it's not just making a beautiful piece of, of halibut um, on a plate with a couple little garnishes. There's a lot involved into creating that experience.
0: No, I like that you point that out because I do think that's something that's often overlooked is that a quality chef really is also like a leader and a manager. It's not just a person that that's making sure that these ingredients are turned into something people wanna eat, but it's also the person that makes that environment for other people to help make that possible. I think that's a really great point.
1: I've always said that, specifically restaurants, is you need a great team to be able to to execute it. And you need a great team to continue to execute it, because it's not just one night. It's multiple nights in a row, And if you have multiple shifts or multiple times a day for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, there's a lot of work involved. And you need your kitchen team, you need your service team, and it takes a village to be able to pull all that off. So
0: now it's time for a philosophical conversation. So why is food so important? And why is quality, good, tasty food so important just to people, to society? Man,
1: that's a big question. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to go back to cavemen sitting around a campfire, we can start there as well. Yeah, there's a, that's a big, big question. And it's it's got to, I mean, I don't have the full answer here, but um, it's got to go back to, to being primal. And we need sustenance to be able to survive. And somewhere along the line, we figured out that this grass tasted better than this fern, and so we gravitated towards that. There's a lot of writings and research about when we figured out how to use fire and how that changed us as people for both sustenance, uh, where we could eat more things, we could break down the, the starches in potatoes, we could uh, break down some of the fibers and protein, but it also, I can only imagine what they were thinking when they finally were able to sear a piece of meat, because that flavor that's generated Uh, when you are able to sear or roast something is so different and so satisfying for our taste buds than what they probably had previously. There's another part of, of that whole story where that, when we finally figured out how to use fire, that also changed a little bit of our relationships with the tribe and the relationships with males and females of who did what and who was able to help in partnerships. And <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting because it, it, it shifted the way that some of our, our our tribes and some of the hunter-gatherers did things. They they started. Digging Giving up tasks you'd mentioned like
0: this community aspect and and I think probably everyone listening will have these same memories that you and I both have which is of family members like really taking the time to to cook something that they were really looking forward to everyone enjoying we need sustenance but we don't necessarily need food to be delicious or to take it to these further types of dishes we really could just eat the simplest of things but as a society we've we've moved past that and we've realized we can get something more from it than just sustenance.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we don't need to to care if there's mayo or mustard on our cheeseburger because it's, it's all going to do the same thing. We've evolved into a, a spot, I think, in the developed world where flavor and texture and all of those things are so important. And we're also in such a great spot if you're listening now and you're in a major metropolitan area. But you have multiple different styles of food at your sometimes just Click or, or or tap on your phone to be able to deliver to you. In previous generations, you know maybe there was only the American style food and the regional food, and maybe a Chinese restaurant or maybe a pizza place. But now we have so much like delicious choice out there for what to eat for dinner tonight. It's amazing, and that's part of the 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 challenge when you're out on the trail as well. Which is okay. Well, I don't want to eat chili every night okay, well, how can I change it up to keep my palate interested?
0: I mean, when people get together for barbecues or any sort of event, usually food is very much a big part of that. And the quality of that food definitely changes the atmosphere. If people are having something they really enjoy, suddenly that becomes a topic of conversation. Everyone gets in a better mood. And you've tried to introduce that into the outdoors by bringing, you know, quality ingredients and quality recipes out on backpacking trips, hiking trips. Are you noticing when you go out with people who are just used to eating, you know, trail mix or whatever, and you, you sit down and you prep a meal for everybody, do you notice a big change in the camaraderie or just in the atmosphere?
1: Yeah. And I, I think that if you are going on a, a longer trip or even just a, a one night or a day hike is you're, you're most likely going to have a good time with your friends. If you have a deli sandwich or if you have a, a simple meal, it's, it's going to be good. But what I've noticed with experiencing it with with the crews that we've gone out is the, the first reaction is like, wow, we're really going to eat that? And I'm like, yes, yes, we are. And they then they think, oh, it's going to take a long time. And then they think, oh, it's going to be really hard to prepare. The whole thing with this is usually to cook with them and to walk them through and guide them through the process for the first few times. But when they see that you can make something in, in less than 30 minutes, it is a very eye-opening experience for them and the crew. And then it just turns to, well, where are we? Are we by an alpine lake? What's in our bowl and what are we eating? It's uh, turning out to be a very satisfying experience for folks, but one that they think is really, really far away but it really only takes a little bit of planning and a little bit of shifting into what ingredients to pack and, and how to do it in order to to get that really amazing experience. And like what I've been, been telling folks when we're out there is we're trying to really connect people because we go outside to connect with nature, we go outside to connect with our friends or family, but I really wanna put that extra piece in there, which is the food. In, any food will help fuel you, but a better, tastier recipe will help complement all three of those and really create a lasting experience. Because then you'd be like, hey, oh, we went to the Enchantments last year. Oh, it was so great. And oh, we hiked 12 miles that day and it was really hard. But oh, remember when we had that chili lime popcorn? Oh, that was so good. Or remember when we had that wonton bowl? Oh man, that was so yummy. There is this
0: funny thing where a lot of like dehydrated meals taste great in the moment when you've hiked 20 miles and 15 miles or whatever. But if you were to eat them at your house, You would think they were terrible. It's interesting that you've shifted it so it's like, oh, eat something that would be great at home and outside, which means it probably tastes twice as good outside as it would back at home. Absolutely. You've kind of had this realization that, you know, you wanted to take food into the outdoors and and have meals that are kind of better than what's readily available. And you know, you could share that with your friends and you could do that for yourself. What made you decide let me turn this into a bigger thing and share it with a larger community than just my immediate friends and family.
1: As I started talking to folks outside the the friend and family group, any outdoor user is saying the same thing where these packaged meals don't taste good and I don't know what to do. So I put folks into kind of two camps, which is the green hiker and the seasoned hiker and the seasoned hiker is very very experienced they have all the gear they have multiple camp stoves they're very used to eating outside but they are either eating packaged meals or uh, they have their two or three go-to recipes whether that's a a packaged chili packaged macaroni something uh, a nor packet uh something like that and they have their one or two things that they like to jazz up but they're kind of limiting any other thought about what you possibly could eat for a green hiker is they just bought their first tent And they uh, maybe have just been doing day hiking, but really excited about going out for a longer trek. And they don't know what to do. And so they go to uh, an outdoor store and they peruse the the food section. And they like, well, everyone else is doing these packaged meals. Like, I might as well just do that. They don't know that there are are other options out there. Through talking to the green hiker and the seasoned hiker, I noticed that there's a, a, a large need for... A path to, to, to better meals outside because I think everyone is thinking that they take a long time, it's really, really hard, and I've been testing it for the last few years and now have recipe testers around the, um, the world doing, doing some of the testing, and it's really not that hard. And the experience you get when you are able to pack in and cook these things is so amazing and really, really complements your experience that I want to share that with folks because you're already having a good time, but you could be having a better time.
0: So let's talk about that decision to create MultiBoca and how you would define that for people and how they can interact with it.
1: So there are a lot of other resources out there for camp cooking, uh, Dutch oven cooking, that type of thing. And I could have started this and just had another kind of blog format in order to uh, share these recipes with people. But I kinda have a grander vision where I wanna change the way we eat outside. I wanna change the way we eat and experience being outside, whether you're at a city park, you're at an Alpine peak, or you're at a, a lake somewhere, I really like the community aspect of it all where we're doing it together. It's not just me going out by myself and testing recipes and sharing with you and putting it on a website. Is I want you to come along. Take these recipes, go out and share with your friends and be a part of it because we're all outside doing this together and it's more fun when there's somebody, somebody there. I think for both you and I, it'll be really interesting for our solo hikes coming up is... How does that experience shift from being with your companion or your partner?
0: So Monte Boca is primarily a website at this point, right? It's multiboca.com. If people go to that website, what
1: will they find there and what can they do? Monte Boca website is searchable recipe bank. And currently we have over 90 recipes uh, available for quick, easy download. They're all free. I want you to go outside, I want you to eat them, and I want you to to try them. We have different categories. So breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. We also have a category called Trailgate, which is uh, shareable meals. So thinking about if you want to have a a quick snack when you're setting up your camp or to take your camp stove with you and uh, pack some things at your car and be able to make uh, some nachos at the end of your trip. Or if you're just going for a day hike, take your camp stove with you and make something really tasty at the trailhead because sometimes it takes an hour or two to get back to society to be able to have your big you know, dirty meal that's gonna be super tasty. Also have a lot of recipes for vegetarians, vegans, uh, dairy-free, some gluten-free, as well as very specific low-weight recipes and also higher calorie recipes. because I know some folks out there are trudging through a lot of miles and really need some some good calories. Also started a a YouTube channel, so we're working on some how-tos of how to set up your uh, outdoor camp station, uh, how to make some of these really fast, easy recipes. And uh, you'll find uh, other recipes that were tested by other recipe testers. Uh, so seeing their photos and seeing their trips. Yeah,
0: how would someone become a recipe tester for you or can anyone just test a recipe and then send you feedback? You're
1: more than welcome to share feedback on any of the recipes that are currently uh, up, but the recipe tester program is specifically for new recipes so the recipe bank can grow. It's just a quick, easy questionnaire online because I want to know a little bit about you, where where you are, what kind of uh, dietary restrictions you have, and then I can send a recipe off to you and you can get out there and test it. So
0: let's tell people about the name. Why did you choose that name and what does that mean, that name mean for the community
1: as a whole? So Monte Bocas uh, is a mashup of uh, a couple things that I've just kind of said when I go outside over the last few years. So I would just kind of say, hey, we're going in the Montagna this weekend. Mont is short for mountain and uh, Boca is uh, Spanish for mouth. So I kind of did a mashup of mountain and mouth.
0: And what would you like to see from Monte Boca in the future? Where would you like to see this grow? And where would you like this to go, you know, in the years ahead, 10 years from now?
1: 10 years from now, I would love for everyone to have uh, at least one or two recipes that they're comfortable eating outside and to really elevate their meals and elevate their experience through food. I would love for... People to have a camp stove that they use more than just camping for going on a picnic, Uh, using that for a quick fondue at the park to be able to really cook anywhere. If you have a camp stove or even if you don't, but you can cook amazing meals anywhere. One of the things you mentioned earlier when we were talking about your
0: culinary career is you were saying how... You kind of came to the realization that you you did not want to become a chef that then opens and manages restaurants, but you've started a website where it's almost like instead of a restaurant, you've decided to take all of that to the outdoors, and it's as if the outdoors at large has become... Like your restaurant chain, in a sense, is is that where you see yourself going? As you want to become known
1: as like the outdoor chef. If Chef Corso can be on top of mind for 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 being the the outdoor chef, that would be amazing. But I think the the thing with hospitality, and I think with with cooking, is for the 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 chefs and the people who really like it, it's about sharing and it's about connecting. I've always connected two people through food. This is an avenue that I never thought that would be available or something that that would be an option when I went to culinary school. There are only a few tracks that you could go on for this to be able to to go larger, for for folks to take this out on on any one of their trips. And I can be a part of their trip or the Monte Boca community community can be part of their trip and help them have a, a better time and a happier belly then that makes me just really happy.
0: One of the things I like to do on this show is kind of give advice or information to those people who are curious about something but don't quite have the knowledge at this point. So I'm sure someone out there listening is interested in a culinary career or becoming a chef or just something in the food arts. What is your advice to, say, a younger person listening who wants to follow that path?
1: I think the, the first step and the first answer to that is go work in a restaurant and, and preferably two or three restaurants because each one is different. Uh, each chef is going to have a different structure and a different style. Go try it and see if you really like it. If you do, then culinary school can be one, one avenue, but it's not the only avenue. I think you can get a lot of the same culinary experience through different restaurants, different chefs, and different positions in business or in other restaurants. So I think culinary school is, there's still a place for culinary school, but uh, it's not the first option that I think you should just go jump at. And before we
0: go ahead and wrap up the show, I'd I'd like you to be able to tell everybody where they can find your stuff, your work, or keep up with you via the internet or elsewhere. So let us know where people should go to keep up with Monte Boca and you as well.
1: Yeah. So website is www.montiboca.com. Instagram is at Monty Boca. Uh, YouTube is Chef Corso. We do have a full Pinterest page if, if you're into pinning.
0: And the, the last thing I always like to do is to ask if there's something we haven't spoken about that you'd like to, or if there is just a thought you'd like to leave the audience with as a whole.
1: I think through creating Monty Boca, it's gotten me really excited about going outside, because that means I can eat something really well when I'm there. And so I can say for, for anybody out there is just go outside. Take that first step. I know sometimes it's hard. I know it's hard to plan for your trip sometimes, but if you put something on the calendar, it's a lot easier to do it. If you take that first step outside just to go or get in your car and drive somewhere, that is a huge part of the battle. But then the other part of it is I I want you to get excited about eating outside. I want you to eat really, really well, and I want to help you do that. Well,
0: thanks a bunch for talking to me over the phone today and uh, sharing this with everybody, and best of luck with everything.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
0: And since it has been several months since we initially spoke, there are a number of updates at Monte Boca. And for the first time in a long time, here to read Chef Corso's update in his own words is Erica. Since we last chatted, I've launched two new recipe categories, Classics Elevated and Basics. Classics are matches of classic packaged meals like stroganoff, chili mac and general so's chicken all still 10 ingredients or less and 30 minutes or less and often cheaper than a packaged meal basics are super easy building blocks to put you on the path for amazing meals such as a five-minute marinara cheddar polenta black bean and egg breakfast burritos creamy dressing and italian dressing the other news is that the cookbook is at the printer and i should have them ready to sell by the end of november most likely with the pre-sale link by the time this podcast goes live 20 recipes in a pocket-sized notebook. And I can indeed verify that that cookbook is up for pre-sale now. You can find it at Monte Boca. I did check. It is there. You may go pre-order it at this exact moment. And since you're going to be doing that, you may as well run to our website also. Go Look for this episode 89 with Chef Corso. And there you will find numerous photos of him and others enjoying his meals, along with links to everything we talked about in today's show. And while you're on the internet, checking that out, pre-ordering that book, why don't you go ahead and drop us a line here at the show? There are numerous ways you can do this. You can send us an email, go at butcherbirdstudios.com, or perhaps you'd rather leave us a voicemail or send us a text. You can do that at 818-925-0106. And please, for me, for everyone here at the show, please do us a great big favor and go to your podcast purveyor of choice. Make sure you have subscribed to this show and please rate and review it. It helps us far more than you can imagine. And if you would share this episode with one person, you know, this episode of the Go Get Outside podcast was produced, recorded and edited by me, your host, Jason Milligan Additional help was provided by Griffin Davis. And as always, it has been brought to you by Butcher Bird Studios. Next time on the show, come back December 1st for Liz Snorkel Thomas. She is a thru-hiker, urban hiker, editor-in-chief of Tree Line Review, and author of Long Trails, Mastering the Art of the Thru-Hike. December 1st, Liz Thomas. See you then.